I'd like to start uh, by taking some advice. Someone said, make yourself at home this morning, so I think I will. One verse from the Bible I'd like to start with from the book of Ecclesiastes. Chapter 7, verse 2 says this, It's better to go to the house of mourning than to a house of feasting, because it is the end of every man, and the living take it to heart. This short film was uh, produced uh, by myself and these two young gentlemen over here. I think many of you went around and asked some of these questions, yourselves, of friends and family. Maybe some of you are here today because you did a little opinion survey here. And uh, it was an amazing thing to me. It shouldn't be, but it was amazing that out of 17 people that we interviewed, only one had a real opinion about the afterlife. Most of them, if you notice in this film, said, well, I was raised to believe, or I've heard, but they didn't have a conclusion of their own. They didn't say, I know this is true and this is the reason why. I think there's a few reasons for that. How about you today? Do you know what's going to happen one minute after you die? Now, for various reasons, we don't like to think about it. First of all, who, who wants to think about death? I, it's not the thing I woke up this morning about. Well, actually, it was the thing I woke up this morning to think about. But normally, it's not the thing. I do, but let's show this slide here. This was uh, on a tomb, on a, on a tombstone. This, not this tombstone, but this was written from the, uh, in, in a graveyard. I think it was in Arlington, Virginia. And it said this, pause, stranger, when you pass by. As you are now, so once was I. As I am now, so you will be. So prepare for death and follow me. You know, it's it's one of those things that's going to come. And um, it reminds me that that I'm probably showing my age here, but there there was a program on Saturday, maybe it was Sunday, the old wild world of sports, and they had all these sports clips. And they had this guy coming down this, this big snow jump thing. And once he started, there was no turning back. I mean, that was it. And it was, you know, when it says the thrill of victory and they show people went, yay! And, or the agony of defeat. And this guy is just, you know, he is a just rolling and crashing and hitting the ground. And that's the way we are as people. From the moment of conception, we start down that chute to eternity. And there's no turning back. There's no do-over or I've changed my mind. I'd like to go back to the top. We're all heading there. You can go to a blank slide. And so we do well to think it through. Next slide. Some, Some feel... That the grave is it. Some answered, there is no afterlife. We're merely biological forms, bags of chemicals with chemical 
interactions, electrochemical reactions, and one of these days the organism ceases. It's either those that that electrochemical interaction is damaged or just ceases to operate, and we therefore cease to exist. Maybe you think that here today. And I was touched and moved by those two young men uh, who felt that they were very scientific and very wise. One of the things I didn't like about this video, by the way, is we were out there to ask people's opinions, not give ours. So I, you know, I'm listening to these guys. Okay, cut! No, there's truth that, no, you don't understand. You misunderstand. I, I couldn't do that. I can today. And I'm thinking, as I'm listening to them, and they make statements, you didn't hear everything, I believe in science. Well, I guess in a sense, I believe in science. If I define science as a way of learning through observation, and then taking my observations and drawing conclusions, and then testing those conclusions, I believe in science. And that's the way many people look at finding truth is through a scientific method, something that can be observed, tested, and duplicated. Now, I'm not a scientist. I'm a salesman. And uh, I I thank God for science. I took three ibuprofen this morning because I'm stiff. I did something. I cradled a phone in my neck. That's how you know you're getting old. used to be I lifted too much weight. I ran too far, too fast, and I hurt. Now I hold the phone wrong, and I'm taking (laughs) ibuprofen for two months, you know. We're heading downhill. But I, I felt like saying to these guys, so what? I believe in science. I believe in biology. I believe in genetics. What does that have to do with God? Some people say if you're scientific, there can't be a God. If I can't smell it, taste it, or touch it, it doesn't exist. Well, first of all, I'd say to that person, you're not very scientific. Because science studies things that they they don't even see. There's something, and I was trying to find out the name of it. There's something in space. It's black. Well, I'm not talking about black holes. Black matter. Thank you. We have someone here who knows something out here. (laughs) And the scientists can see the effects of black matter, but they can't see the black matter. But they can see the effects of this matter and what it does and the effect it has on the universe. And I would say, I can't see God, I can't touch God, I can't taste Him, but I can see His effects. And and, and really, scientifically, we observe things. And we look for, here's another word, proof. I want to tell you something. If I got anybody up here, and I ask you prove that you are here today, you couldn't do it. Because I could throw at you 105 reasons why you're not. Called the brain in the vat. If you took any philosophy classes at college or whatever, you you put a brain in the vat, you hook it up to a really good, sophisticated computer, get a software program that Randy Ackle wrote, and you push (laughs) 9-11. And it puts an impulse into this brain and brings forth memories. And, 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 and things and things just seem so real to this brain in the vat. So how do we know we're not just a brain in the vat and someone's not pushing buttons? I mean, you cannot 
prove you exist. Proof is a difficult, difficult concept. It's a very heavy burden that I don't know anybody can meet. But what we can do is like in a court of law, when someone says, you know, you did something, and the other person says, no, I don't, two sides get together and they put forth their evidence. And we persuade the jury. Did you know the word faith or belief? When you read that in the New Testament, the word faith or belief does not mean, I don't know what I'm doing. I can't see or hear or touch, but I'm going to believe. No, it doesn't mean that. It means to be persuaded. That there's enough evidence that you're persuaded to a point of action. In a court of law, the burden of proof is, the burden of proof, notice that, the burden of proof is beyond a reasonable doubt. Now you can say, I'm here, and I can say, no, you're braining a bat. Well, that's not reasonable, is it? At least it's not to me. And, and I, I think I could persuade most of the people here today that I am here. Maybe not all of you, but most of you. And so we're talking about not saying intellectually, let's just throw it out. But, but science is fine. But what I'm saying is I'm not just a bag of chemicals. I am created in God's image and I have a spirit. There's an element to me that is not going to be seen under a microscope. The Bible talks about a different kind of truth on different subjects, different matters. Although we, can, we learn a lot about our natural world that's declared in the Bible, really what we hear about and, and, and learn about is God, who He is, what He's like, who I am in relationship to God, and how does He see me? What does He want from me? And the Bible, which I'll be answering these, these questions from and giving my opinion, is what I call declared truth. This is not truth that I figured out. It's not truth that the author of these books figured out. It's the Word of God. It is God speaking through people. And He's, he's saying, this is who I am. Now, you may or may not accept that at face value. Some of you will. Some of you say, uh, prove it. Well, that's fine. But for me to prove it, you've got to work at it. You've got to read this. And you've got to say, okay, if this is the Word of God, what, what would I expect of it? That's a different topic. We can go into that later. But that's my authority today. I'm not giving my opinion like these folks in the video. I'm telling you what God has revealed about Himself. And that's all I can tell you. We can say, does God really exist? Again, observation. Uh, Psalms 119.1 says, The heavens are telling of the glory of God, and their expanses declare the works of His hands. You know, those guys were who really believed in the grave only, they were biology majors. They were even um, micro-neuro-something. It wasn't just biology. It was studying on the nervous system and the nerves. And when I look at that kind of stuff, I go, Wow. There's a designer to all this. I don't have enough faith to be an atheist. Because you have to believe that all this came without any design. And 
And there's a, and even scientists are saying, okay, we've got gravity, we've got all these laws, but, but what harmonizes all these things? What keeps them working together? All these, these physical things that are going on. I think they call that a universal or unifying force. And they're trying to figure out, what is this unifying force? Well, Genesis 1-1 says, in the beginning, God. And I believe that. Because I don't have a, I don't have enough faith as I look around to believe anything else. It's a natural conclusion for me. How did God come into being? Well, the Bible declares this, Before the mountains were born, or thou didst give birth to the earth, or the world, even from everlasting, that is eternity, Without end, how long is eternity, the woman asked. I have a hard time calculating a billion. I can't, I mean, I just can't conceive, I cannot imagine a billion. Someone told me if you had a billion dollars, you could spend like, you know, $10 million a day for the next 150,000 years or something like that. Whoa, you know. Those of you who do that math, don't don't hold me to it. But it's it's a lot. We couldn't spend it. And I want to tell you, I'm, I'm good at spending I couldn't spend a billion dollars. But eternity, that's a whole other thing. And it says that God, it's declared that God always was and always will be. My, people ask, why am I here? What is the purpose of this life? These are questions that were asked. The Bible says that, that, that they should seek God if perhaps they might grope for Him and find Him though he is not far off from each one of us. Therefore, having overlooked the times of ignorance, God is now declaring to all men everywhere that they should repent. Why are you here? Why did God create you that you could, should find him? And you know, there's, there's, there's a terrible, terrible sea, oceans of ignorance out there, of people who don't know. And it's not that I'm a genius, or if you know the answers, it's not because you're a genius. It's because truth was declared. You, your heart said, I want to know more about that. You spent some time to investigate it. You were persuaded to a point of action of trusting or placing your faith. What God has told you about himself. How can we know for sure that there is an afterlife? Well, we talked about that. Scientifically speaking, we talked in proof. Put forth a hypothesis. Scriptures say, after that he appeared to more than uh, 500 brethren at one time, most of whom remain until now. But some have fallen asleep. This was from 1 Corinthians 15, 6. And you know, Jesus, this resurrection that Jesus Christ had didn't happen in a vacuum. It didn't happen in a, in a bottle that no one else saw. Paul talks here about 500 witnesses at one time. And you know what? If you don't believe me, go ask them because there's still some around. That's what Paul could say in his letter to the Corinthians at that time. There was evidence. It was reasonable. Next slide. 
This is a sign for reincarnation. It came up quite a bit. Um, I think reincarnation in many parts of the world, Hindus hold to this, Buddhists hold to it in various forms. It's not hard and fast like where I say, you know, thus says the Lord out of the Bible. It's there are some varying views. It's, 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 there's room. It's flexible. It's, um, I think in this country, pretty much a, a procrastinator's view. <laughs> Why think about it? I'll, I'll, I'll worry about it in the next life. This symbol is actually the mathematic symbol for, uh, for infinity. It's a good, good symbol for reincarnation. That is, it's life or, or cycles of life without end. This one comes from the Reincarnation Association. They're based in Germany. I, I checked. They're still on the website. Their motto is, why come back broke? Uh, for 25 marks a month, they'll hold all your assets for you in trust. Okay? So when you come back in the next life, it's there for you. I gotta say, people who sign up for that have faith. They're persuaded that they're coming back, they put it in trust, and they come back for it. Now it may sound crazy to you, but some people are persuaded. At least they're at least they're moving on their faith. They're not just saying, Oh yeah, I believe in some general way. Let me read you a little something from their website. Inherit your fortune yourself when you're reborn. You're wealthy. You have worked long and hard your whole life. If you're reborn in this world, uh, we have to start again from the beginning. You begin with nothing. This needn't, needn't be the case. You must be familiar with the saying, you can't take it with you when you go. Today, that's as refutable as nonsense. That we only live once on this earth and then enter into heaven or hell or into purgatory, or worse, we roast eternally in the fires of hell. That's stupid. Heaven or hell is ludicrous to these folks. And the fact that you can't take it with you is crazy. Now, I don't know if they're crazy like a fox. I mean, it's not a bad business. I don't know. Maybe these are sincere people. But here, give me your millions. I'll watch over it for you. When you come back, you'll be here waiting. Not a bad business, huh? Yeah, I can tell by laughing. A lot of you think, that's crazy. This is what a lot of people believe. It's sad, but it's true. This is what people hold to. And, and this association of reincarnation is a natural conclusion. If I believed in reincarnation, I would take everything and put it in this trust. I want to tell you right now, today, if you believe in reincarnation, I have their website. There is no, no reason for you to start over broke. But if you don't come up and get that website or join them, then you don't believe this. It's a way of procrastinating and putting off thinking about eternity. Let's be real with ourselves. The other thing I've noticed about people in dealing with reincarnation is a chance to come back and make up for their mistakes. We have a natural knowledge that we are sinful. 
that we're not perfect, that we error, that we don't do everything right. And wouldn't it be nice to have a do-over? But there's no do-over. The Bible says it is appointed unto man to die once. And after this comes judgment. The more serious, when I say more serious, I'm talking about real Hindu, not new agey American repackage, make it nice. They believe, you know, you start maybe as a bug or a plant. And if you do good as a bug, you come back as maybe a rat or snake or whatever. You know, you evolve based on karma. Okay, the balance of good and evil, kindness and love, based on karma. I've got good news for all of you women today that if you do really good as women, work hard, your next life you can come back as a man. (laughs) I'm not making this up. This is true. It's appointed unto a man to die once. And after this comes judgment. What about eternity? Are you ready? Have you thought about it? Let me go to the blank slide. I remember pumping gas. 18 years old, pumping gas is one of these strange things that happened. I don't know how it happened, but it did. And I started thinking, I was working uh, 70 hours a week between school and, and work and putting myself through high school. Actually, I was living on my own, putting myself through high school. And I was exhausted, and I said to myself, Jeff, why are you doing this? I thought, well, so I can uh, get out of school, make a lot of money. I want to be a millionaire by age 30. Well, then what? Well, then I want to get married, find a beautiful wife. Then what? Well, then I want to have children. Then what? Well, I want to put them through the best schools in the land. Then what? Well, then I want to travel. Well, then what? Well, then I'm, I'm going to die. Then what? Then what? And I realized right then, I'm going to be dead a lot longer than I'm alive. The thought of eternity hit me, and it was the first time it dawned on me. I can understand why these people don't think about it. I didn't. But God has placed it in the heart of every man. Let's go to the next slide. What will heaven be like? Let me just say this from Revelation 21, 3 through 5. John the writer says this, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men. And He will dwell among them, and they shall be His people. And God Himself shall be among them. And He shall wipe away every tear from their eyes. If I could just stop there. That's not literally God's going to come up with His finger and wipe away a tear from my eye. But but to speak anything that makes you sad, anything that causes pain, will be no more from that point forward. What's heaven going to be like? It's going to be like this. And there will no longer be any death. There will no longer be any mourning or crying or pain. The first things have passed away. Could you imagine life without pain? 
without mourning. I um, went to a memorial yesterday for a good good friend, Elmer Curtis. Man, love the Lord. He is with the Lord right now. And I was I was really happy. I said, like, oh, Elmer is so wanted to see Jesus. He's there with the Lord. He's there now. Oh, I'm so happy for Elmer. And I walk in and I see his family weeping. I thought, oh, he got to me. Made me think about how Jesus wept at the tomb of Lazarus. Not because he was sad for Lazarus, but he saw the sorrow of death. And you know, we've lost relatives to death. Or maybe they're just off and they're doing weird things with their lives. There's so much that brings sorrow in this life. And there won't be there. What's heaven going to be like? Life with total contentment. People say, well, I'll be, I'll be bored without a big struggle. But listen, the only reason we struggle now is we want things to be better. It can't get any better. And there's going to be a sense of contentment, rest, and peace. Now, I, I'm sure we could go on a lot longer about that, but we'll stop. People say, well, we recognize others, like our family or friends. Well, the Bible doesn't tell us a lot. We can surmise some things, but we, it doesn't you know, explain everything. I know, for instance, the disciples, when they, saw, when they were on the Mount of Transfiguration, they saw Jesus, they saw two others. They, they knew it was Moses and Elisha. They knew. Well, how'd they know? I don't know. In this life, I meet a lot of people. In fact, today I look and I think... Okay, what is this brother's name? What is this sister's name? I met him, you know. Or or they'll say, have you met John? Who's John? Well, he's the tall guy with blonde hair and blah, blah, blah. We describe physical things. It appears to me as I read the Bible that it's going to be people's character, who they are, what they've done, how God has used them that they'll see. For instance, in Luke 16, 23, the rich man looked off in the desert Distance, and he saw Abraham with Lazarus, the poor man. Well, Abraham lived 1,000, 1,500 years, thousands of years before this guy ever was born. How do you know it was Abraham? I don't know. But there was recognition that I can say. We will recognize friends and loved ones and people we don't know. In this life, we have to meet someone before we recognize them. Maybe that's not the case in the next what about our bodies? Hmm. It says, Now I say, brethren, the flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor, nor does perishable inherit in, imperishable. 1 Corinthians 15.50 We'll have new bodies for those uh, resurrected bodies. Some are going to be resurrected bodies in heaven, dwelling in the presence of God. Others we'll see here later. This next slide brings up the next question. What about hell? I want to tell you something. I wish in many ways, and I I know this is a superficial way for me to feel, because hell is a good thing. I know you think, how can hell be a good thing? Hell is a good thing. If it wasn't, God wouldn't have created it. Okay? But hell... I wish I didn't have to talk about that. I wish I could say, 
you know, we all are going to go to heaven. It's, you know, we may be stupid. We may be ignorant. We may not come to agreement here on this. But when you die, we're going to go to heaven. But the Bible, the same Bible that talks to us about heaven, also talks about hell. And in Revelation chapter 20, uh, let me see here. We will start with verse 13. It says, And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead which were in them. And they were judged, every one of them, according to their deeds. And death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Hell is a literal place. And it's likened to a lake of fire. You say, well, how do you get there? Well, you're judged by your deeds. That's number one. Number two, if your name's not written in the Lamb's book of life. That book seems to have names and not deeds. Interesting. Revelation chapter 20, read it. If you want to know some of the basis of what we're judged on. So we look at, uh, let's go ahead and get to the next slide. We've looked at uh, really four views here. You die. That's it. You're, you go through this cycle of reincarnation and eventually evolve and are absorbed into the cosmos or the great nothingness. Well, neither one of those inspire hope in me. Although truth, we shouldn't base truth on based on how inspiring it is, but is it true? Got some good news. We also talked about heaven and hell. These two are dangerous. Even if you believe it today. See, Jeff, I don't believe in number one or door number two. I believe in door three and four. Well, the question is, how do you get here? What do you have to do? Would it surprise you if I told you you had to do absolutely nothing to get to hell? That from the moment you were conceived, you were heading directly there. It's true. Because you're going to be judged by your deeds. Now, I don't know about you, but I would not want a book opened with this PowerPoint presentation and put on there all my deeds as God sees me and put up here for you to see today. I wouldn't want that to happen. Even if I had a lot of good ones, I wouldn't want you to see the others. And the problem is that God and heaven are perfectly holy and pure and no unclean can go, thing can go into there. So how can you get to heaven? There's only one way. Let's take a look at the next slide. What man can't do, God has done. You see, God in heaven, perfect and holy, looking down on, on all of us, loved the world. Many of you may know this verse, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever should believe in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. You see, God loves us, but there's a problem. This problem is called sin. He's holy. And so how can a loving God who loves you and wants you to be with Him and yet must 
as that person said, I want to know, is there final justice? Must deal out justice for every wrong deed you've done. And my friends, the wages of sin is death. Separation. How can He bring the two together? He did it in His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. God became a man. He went to the cross. And there, the Father laid our sins on Him. The Bible says, He who knew no sin became sin on our behalf. He died in my place. He died for me. He died that I might live. And He physically was separated from God. He physically was beaten and bled. He died physically. But before He yielded His Spirit, and He gave up His life. It wasn't taken from Him. He yielded it. Before He gave up His life, He cried out, My God, my God, why have You forsaken Me? Because my sin and your sin was laid on Him on the cross. And for the first time in all eternity, the Father turned His back on the Son and poured wrath and judgment. Instead of love and worship, wrath and judgment. And Christ paid my payment in full on the cross. He died physically. He was buried and He rose on the third day physically from the grave. Jesus said, I've come not to judge, but to seek and to save that which is lost. And my dear friends, without this declared truth, without God's revelation of what things are really like, we're lost. We're in the dark and we are groping and we don't know which end is up. The question is, will you place your faith in what God has revealed about Himself through His Bible and through His Son? If you do, we have our names written in the Lamb's Book of Life. No longer on that judgment day does God look at our deeds. He looks, oh, His name's in the book. Not because He's good, but because it's the Lamb's. And we can go on about that. It's it's Jesus's. He wrote our name in there with His own blood. I want to invite you today to, maybe you're, you're ready to, to do this right now. I find that's rare. But maybe you're ready to say, God, I want to to take your free gift of salvation right now, right today. I'm persuaded and I'm convinced to the point where I want to put my trust. I want to trust you for my soul and only you. If you want to do that, you can do that right now. And you can leave here and you can know where you're going to go for eternity. Maybe you're not persuaded to that point yet. But you're interested. I hope that's the case. I have a CD I'd like to offer you. It's put out here by, by this church. and It's called God's Answers to Man's Questions. We, we've discussed some questions today. There's a lot more here. And I say, listen to this. Pick up a Bible and start reading it. You come up and you get one of these from me today. If you want one. I want to, I want to give this to you. Maybe you have one already. Start listening to it. You listen to it 15 minutes a day. You'll get through it in a week. Just on your way to work. You listen to this. Be a seeker of truth. And today, if you're saying, I just don't buy any of it, I don't care, I think you're nuts, I'm out the door. I want to tell you right now, 
you're heading for hell. And you're going to get your wish because God has reached out to each and every one of us. He sent His prophets. He sent His own Son. He sent His Spirit. He sent me. And you're saying, no thanks. You're turning your back on Him. And someday you'll, have, you'll, you'll see, you'll experience God turning His back on you. That will be the opposite. Instead of no more pain, it will be constant pain. Instead of peace, it will be tor- torment. Instead of life, it will be continuous death. What about eternity? The choice is yours. God has made an offer to you. Will you accept it? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I want to thank you so much for the privilege to speak your word and to speak to these people. I thank you, Lord, that every time I turn around, I see you're a good God. You're a God that seeks the loss. You're a God that pursues a sinner. You're a God that no one has sunk so low that has breath in their lungs that you won't, that you're not reaching out to. I thank you, Lord, that you take us just as we are, but you don't leave us that way. Through the blood of your own Son, you've redeemed us. And I pray that today, some would come to know this new life in Jesus. We ask this now in Jesus' name. Amen.